0: chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: no purchase necessary btw void we prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: welcome to the love tennis podcast with me james gray and george belshaw of metro.co.uk Happy New Year. It's 2019, which means the Love Tennis podcast is back. Me and George ready for a massive year of tennis. George is just prepping for his flight to Australia. I will be staying back in Blighty and dutifully manning the desk. Uh, don't worry. We'll be giving you updates on a regular basis as I will be phoning George at all hours of the night in Australia claiming not to know about time zones. George, are <laughs> you excited? You've never even been to Australia, I've right? I've never
1: even been to Australia, so I'm, I'm very very excited. You're, now, remember that George is ginger and that it's this Australian summer you're going to die i'm naturally a bronze god so i think it's gonna work (laughs) with my uh beautiful skin
0: you're ever the optimist much like much (laughs) like andy murray fans have to be at the moment it's not been a great start i don't think we expected him to roar back in any shape or form but it's not been a great start to the year for him has it
1: no it's been a bit of a reality check to be honest i think um Some were a bit guilty of getting carried away, having watched him doing this uh, reconditioning work with Bill Knowles. Um, And then he seemed to have a good month-long spell training in Miami with guys like Fernando Vadasco. Seemed like he was getting a good uh, off-season under his belt. Um, And then he touched down in Brisbane and basically said, yeah, my hip's still hurting. So that was the first kind of alarm bell. Mm. Then he beat James Duckworth pretty comfortably, um, played some Decent stuff there. A James lot, Douglas, but,
0: by the way, who, who's had even worse injury history than Andy Murray, yeah. but two and a half years out with yeah. a foot
1: problem. He's probably one of the few players he could have played who'd be ranked below him. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he eased past him, but then came out and said, look, I'm still not feeling good at all. Mm. Kind of hinting that he's never going to get back to what he was, which is obviously pretty gutting for... Uh, most british fans and then he went out and played daniel medvedev who it has to be said has transformed into one of the best players on a hard court over the last six months really really impressed by the russian um but he he, pre- he swept him aside really and medvedev played really really well so it's hard to you know come down on andy too hard from that perspective but it was a pretty stark reminder of how far away andy murray is from what he was And I think that's just going to add an extra kind of mental challenge. You know, is he happy to be turning up against the world number 16 and getting blown off the court? How long can he be happy with that, you know? having been world number one knowing your body's letting you down this much it's a mental struggle as well as a physical one for him
0: that's the problem isn't it you know we look at the sort of early part of the season he, he's not going to play in sydney obviously he's going to try and play the australian open probably not make the second week and then i think he's got a couple of tournaments in france which look quite nice but you think he might bin them off he'll probably bin the. i don't think he'll play on clay because of the challenges that, that might pose Realistically, Wimbledon is the kind of thing where he's just going to target it, isn't he? He's just going to go, "I want to play that, if nothing else."
1: Yeah, I think his schedule is going to be one of the most interesting talking points this season. As to be fair, with all the big four, really, because they've all got slight problems, they've got all got parts of the season where you can clearly say, "Look, they're going to be targeting this, 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 and this." I'd expect to see Murray turning up in Indian Wells and or Miami, one of the two. But I don't think we'll see him playing too many back-to-back weeks. Um, The clay is going to be interesting. He's kind of hinted he might not turn up to that at all or might just do one event, then the French Open. Um, I think we'll have to wait and see on that. But I imagine that would be the toughest one for his hit.
0: In terms of movement, yeah, you'd think the the instability and then, I mean, much as grass wouldn't exactly suit him, he would better be hoping for a hot summer because lush Wimbledon courts are really not going to suit him either. I just think really, as much as it's the surface, the players always talk about the transition, the difficulty of changing from hard court to clay court and what what you have to do to your game what you have to do to your movement and the different ways I wonder whether actually the most sensible thing for him to do would be maybe play a couple of hard court tournaments in Europe before the clay court season and then just say you know go away and yeah have another six week training camp spend some time doing something else don't bother with clay court tennis Andy because realistically is it actually going to help you that much what's it going to do for him
1: yeah And, you know, I think another kind of recurring theme we're going to be looking at with Murray this season is how he has to change his game to adapt. And realistically, if he's going to become this player who tries to end his points a lot quicker, he's not going to be able to do that on clay. That That's not the sort of game you, you'll be dragged into these long rallies. There's more risk. Yeah. Um. So I, I, that's certainly something to watch. But I, I think we'll see him a little bit more in the hardcore events after Australia, providing nothing terrible happens. And then you might be right. We might not see him until the grass.
0: Yeah, it's sad. I'm right? um, talking of clay. Rafael Nadal's also got an injury—a thigh, a thigh injury, leg injury. Yeah. Uh, well, that's actually similar to the problem he had at the Australian last year. But equally with Nadal these days, I, I don't think there are chronic problems. There's just chronic Nadal.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's disappointing for him because he. Um, turned up to that event in uh, Abu Dhabi, the Mubadala Tennis World Championships. The World Tennis <laughs> World Tennis Championships. Um, and he played a match against Kevin Anderson. He seemed to be kind of like, yeah, I'm fine. I've come through this pretty well. Again, another guy who's had a long time away from tennis. He's had a bit of surgery. Um, and then just to pick up another niggle was just kind of symptomatic of what's been happening to him for the last year. Whenever a hardcore event comes around, there's been tons of stats flying around about how he's not been able to complete hardcore events apart from the Rogers Cup last year, which he have won, which, you know, I think just sums up Nadal. If he's fit, he's so, so dangerous and he's playing some of the best tennis of his career in the last year, but he, he just can't get through these tournaments. Um, mm. He is fortunate enough to pretty much guarantee probably a spot world number two in the rankings just by playing brilliantly on clay. So he's got that, you know, he can still be one of the top guys come the end of the season, but it's just another big shame. And I think another... Serious question mark over his scheduling in the future. Mm. You're starting to see these guys,
0: though. You know, we talk about Murray and Nadal and Federer. You know, they are in the twilight of their careers. Murray needs to face that reality, sadly. And it's going to be sad to see them go out not with a bang but with a whimper because they are just going to end up. Limping their way around the tour, playing eight events a year, lots of press conferences saying, oh, I'm going to play this and then saying they're not going to play this. And I don't want to see my the, some of the best players of all time go out like that. I want to see them go, yep, I've, I'll go out at the top. Thanks very much. It's been great. I almost wish some of them had retired already because then we wouldn't have to watch them run around like wounded animals, you know, at the back of the pack, getting picked off by predators like Daniil Medvedev. You know, as you say, announced that a good player and he turned himself into a very good player, but you don't want to see great champions being downed by people who are beneath them at their peak. I think it's disappointing.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think with Rafa particularly, it'll be quite a sudden stoppage really because he's had so many injury problems he's fought back so many times we've written him off so many times I think they will just become one stage where it's like right I'm done and as you Mm. say talking about him ending on a high wouldn't surprise me I'm not saying this will happen but it wouldn't surprise me if he went to the French Open this year beat Djokovic in a five set epic in the final and it was like it's not getting better than that Mm. it just stops but I think he does want Federer's record as well which is another kind of motivation to keep going as it is for
0: Djokovic. I think he wants to go out on a shield I think he's like a boxer, I think he'd much rather go out, you know, sparked out where he has nothing left to give yeah. uh, Just a, a l- another little bit of injury news that we're getting today, Maria Sharapova uh, is also a well, I guess you have to say now, a doubt for the Australian Open because it's less than two weeks away uh, She retired with a left thigh injury against Sabalenka She also had some strapping on her shoulder, uh, a little bit being held together by tape at the moment <laughs> Maria, isn't she?
1: Yeah, and that's been a A common theme for her since coming back she's not really had um a run of a few months at a time where she's not had some sort of little niggle Mm -hmm. um so it's it's not been easy for her it's quite funny because the match before her, her opponent retired a young 17 year old who was blasting her off the court playing some brilliant stuff and she had to retire uh with kind of cramping and then Sabalenka's gone through with Sharapova retiring. Um, so they're not getting full matches out there in Shenzhen just at the moment. But of course, it's the end of a tiring... Se- uh, oh, no, it's not the end. It's the beginning of the
0: season. <laughs> Although, actually, with tennis, it's very hard to tell where one ends yeah. and the next begins. Yeah. I mean, this, I think, you know, the first 15 minutes of this podcast we've spent talking about injuries. I think that's just an indictment of exactly what's going on with tennis at the moment. You're absolutely flogging these players to death. You cannot expect to have quality tournaments all year round where good players play good tennis if you make them play every week. And that's what's happening. I don't blame the players for saying we might go on strike.
1: Why not? They're basically on strike already because none of them can walk. Particularly in these three cases, we're at the back end of kind of 20-year long careers almost, or Mm. 15-year careers, where they're... Have been winning tournaments almost every week. So they took. Well, that was not part of the just problem. You play you know, longer. You play longer and longer. You know, it's not so bad if you're losing in the first round every week. I'm sure Jack Sock was enjoying his time in the sun all year as he was losing every kind of singles match last year. It wouldn't have taken too much out of him physically. Um, but for guys like Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, who've been winning tournaments week in, week out, not just at Grand Slam level, Masters level, 500s, you know, these guys played so much tennis back in the day and are still playing so much tennis now and winning most of the time so it's it's a lot of strain on the body but they are quite old
0: another injury to talk about um as we look to talk a little bit about british tennis carl edmund has got a knee injury that's forced him out of the sydney international brilliant quote that the sydney international uh twitter account <laughs> says carl edmund pulls out of the sydney international and then the quote was edmund said I'm gutted to have pulled out the Sydney International. <laughs> it was it was insight, it was character, it was charisma. It's everything you want from a great piece of quote. Forget Troy Deeney, we've got Kyle Edmund. Uh, I understand, George, this is basically a precautionary measure rather than anything more serious.
1: Yeah, it is, I think. Well, that's at least the message coming from his team at the minute. Um, yeah, just saying they don't want to... Similar to Nadal, actually, in the way that they don't want to just aggravate something that could be worse. Um, but I, I'm pretty worried for Kyle Edmund, I'm not going to lie, um, because I think if you look at how many points he has to defend at the Australian Open, it's something like 720. Uh, you get 10 points for being in the first round. So let's say 700 for the sake of argument, if he was to lose in the first round. Now, that you might think, well, Kyle's game's come on, he's doing really well. But there's so many dangerous lurkers who aren't seeded this year. You know, you've got Nick Kyrgios, not seeded. Andy Murray, not seeded; Stan Wawrinka, not seeded. You know, there's some genuine, genuine quality floating about. Mm. Who it just takes one bad draw for Kyle Edmund here, and he's on the verge of going out of the top 30. Which you know, we're talking about him pushing on towards the top 10. Um, so you just wanted him to take a little bit of pressure off. He obviously had that really, really bad loss in Brisbane to the world number 170, 175. Mm. Um, And that was really disappointing. Okay, if he's got a knee problem, that perhaps mitigates a little bit. bit. Yeah, but it's worrying. You wanted him to have a run to the quarterfinals in Brisbane or Sydney or both. Mm. Take a little bit of that pressure off. But now, it's all going to come down. He needs a good draw.
0: I'll tell you one result that caught my eye on New Year's Day, which was known as a black day for British tennis, because everybody <laughs> lost. Uh, Neil Skupski and Karl Edmund beat John Pierce and Omri Continent, who are former world number one doubles pairing. Yep. You know, they were ATP World Tour winners only a year and a, two years ago. That I know it's a small thing, but when I looked at Karl's game a year ago, I said, yeah, you've got a lot here. You've got a lot. And I thought, you could play, do with playing a bit of doubles bit of touch bit of volleying bit of bit of more awareness is that something you think he should do a little bit more of is that something he could develop his game with
1: yeah for sure i mean he won a title with cam Norrie and esterill last year which was a bit of a turn up because mm. i think it was the first tournament they'd ever played together or something right. or at least one of the first few i mean
0: edmund's an obvious good doubles player in terms of serve. he's got a big serve yeah. and a big forehand
1: yeah i've always not seen him as a great net player and mm. i think not good naturally net players do benefit from playing doubles where that's you're how forced you get better. to play yeah you yeah. have to do it you can't avoid it you can avoid it in singles um so i think yeah absolutely that's something that's good for him um you know if his knee's not good i wouldn't recommend doing too much more of that yeah well that's we get that's catch 22 <laughs> but, isn't it um
0: but, I just think there is something to be added to Carl Edmonds' game this year. And it, if playing more doubles is it, and he's clearly got talent for it, because like I said, that's a big scalp. That yeah, yeah. That is a, a big result. scalp, but even in early season and, and all the sort of vagaries that that tends to create. I think that's a, a nice little positive. Yeah. I'm, I'm desperately searching for positives. Yeah. Well, speaking
1: of big scalps, we can take our other big positive, probably from Joanna Conter. She yeah. beat Sloane Stephens um, to kickstart her year, which was a bit of a result out of the blue. Um. And then to take that positive into a negative, she then didn't follow it up and mm. lost to, to Mlanovic. <laughs> she needs
0: a big start to the year, really, doesn't she? She just um, needs a tournament
1: where it all comes together for her. I it's think. starting
0: to feel like this slump has gone on too long. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the win
1: over Stevens is great, but there were wins over Serena last year. There were wins over ostapenko last year. And then she just never followed any of these up. And I think for her more than anyone, she just needs one or two tournaments where she just gets to a semi-final gets into a final you know really kicks on because she's got a great opportunity she's the opposite of Edmund here because she had such poor results at the Grand Slams last year Mm. I don't think she went past the second round in any of them Mm. so she's got such a glorious opportunity if she gets one decent draw
0: it'll fire up the rankings and of course this is the thing you know you say she just needs one tournament where it all comes together the problem is that she's number 38 in the world you don't get good draws for tournaments Mm. when you're ranked like that and then that's a sort of chicken and egg thing where it's you don't get ranked well so you don't do well in tournaments so you just need one to sort of almost put your fingernail on the ledge and
1: drag yourself up and that's almost the frustrating thing about this result because she she had a bad draw she drew Sloane stevens in the first round that's not a good draw Mm. but then she's beaten slain stevens and then you've made it a good draw and then you've lost. Yeah. And and that's the frustration for Joe Conter at the minute. You've and cracked open the cream egg and then dropped it on the ground. Pretty much. And now there's
0: just cream egg sugar
1: everywhere. Exactly. Oh, and you can't God. lick it up because the ground's muddy. Oh,
0: George, you've actually made I've actually made myself a bit sad just thinking about dropping a cream egg. I, I don't know. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. I've given up <laughs> sweet things for 2019. And it's uh-huh. not going well. I mean, most sweet things. You know, I have to make you No exception.
1: more sweet analogies today. <laughs> Let's
0: move on. Serena Williams played against Roger Federer, sort of, in a proper tournament and everything, sort
1: of. Yeah, I have my own thoughts on the Hotman yeah, Cup. Yeah, I think we're going to disagree on the Hotman Cup. <laughs> well, could, for, for start,
0: they, okay. they played mixed doubles against each other. Uh, Federer and Benchich won in straight sets. Yeah. 4-2, 4-3, whatever that means. Uh, sounds like a <laughs> two-legged Liverpool Champions League game, but is in fact a, a game of mixed doubles in the Hotman Cup. It was a fun experience for everyone. You know, it's the kind of thing the tabloid media love because they're two of the biggest stars. Fine, I, I almost think that's as much as that deserves. Um The Hotman Cup itself, we understand, isn't going to be running next year, which
1: you think is a great shame. I do think it's a great shame. And I think um, it's a great... It's not necessarily I'm saying I'm so disappointed the Hotman Cup's going. I don't necessarily think it's the best time of the year for it or whatever. Mm. But I think the idea of having an event so dedicated to mixed doubles where men and women, where you get the best stars of both worlds playing together, you just had to look at the coverage Roger Federer and Serena Williams got uh, playing together, being on the same court, two great champions. You know, there's so much scope for that further around the year. And if the, the ITF have spoken a little bit about perhaps launching a new mixed event in the future, if they can turn a kind of ATP Cup or Labor Cup event where they get the best stars of both games together in two lots of teams or whatever, I, I think that's a good thing. I think that's something that Does promotes do the Bilinda,
0: sport. it Benjic any good there? Like, uh, we've said her name. Which is more than we probably would have done otherwise. But does it actually, you know, Serena Williams gets loads of coverage all the time anyway. Roger Federer gets loads of coverage all the time anyway. Does it actually help anyone having these mixed uh, this tournament?
1: Well, I, uh, my counterpoint to that would be as a whole, A, any tournament Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, and Murray play doesn't promote the world number 50 that much if they play them. You know, you mm. just notice they play them or whatever. So, that you know, they're always going to be the starlight. But what they do do is kind of drive interest to these events which is good for the event which is good for the place it is it good for the countries it's in because it drives uh, engagement but more importantly I think when you watch the women and the men play you know there's so many arguments about well you remember the John McEnroe argument where would Serena Williams be ranked if she was playing on the men's tour and he was saying 700 and you get a lot of a lot of men kind of poo-pooing the women who say they can't hand a ca- hold a candle to the men. But then you see Serena Williams turning up and thumping aces down at Roger Federer, and you're like, oh, bloody hell, she's really, really good. She can mm. sock it to the uh, the best male player. Okay, you know, she didn't win. But you look at people like Bencic, Williams, they, they hold their own in this sort of event, and they look very, very good. And I think that's a good kind of promotional thing. But the problem is that,
0: actually, in reality, McEnroe, much as he's a disgraceful figure at times and says things in very inflammatory way he's kind of right in that men and women don't play the same game you know it's not the same length it, they're not playing the same game they wouldn't it would be ridiculous if you had singles tournaments that were just men and women all together right so well don't force them into situations where that's made very obvious
1: well i actually disagree with that full stop i my vision is for women to be allowed to enter the men's game and i think that would inspire Twenty years time, a generation of young players to be like right. I want to be the first woman to actually compete. You look at guys like Diego Schwartzman, small guys, five foot seven, hits a not a quick ball. He's all about gritty, dogged determination. There are women now hitting faster forehands and backhands than men on average. I think Hallett, for someone, was averaging about ninety miles an hour off her forehand, which was faster than Murray. So I think the idea that women and men couldn't share the same court is I don't know. I I personally believe there's not actually that much of a biological barrier in tennis because if you look at guys like Schwartzman who don't have this serve, you know, Serena serves faster than Schwartzman. She's, you know, bigger than him. She can hit the ball harder than him, and And yeah, I think Diego Schwartzman
0: would beat her. I'd have right now,
1: yeah, right now, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, if you're we talk in sport about there being a biological barrier between men and women, yeah, but Diego Schwartzman is proof to me that you can. I'm not saying Diego Schwartz is a woman. But he's just short. He's short. It's not that he's not No, 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 but what are the reasons but I'm saying what are the reasons? If it's not power, what are the reasons men and women can't share the same court? Mm.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not a sports scientist, but it is more than just power. It's all of those physical attributes across the board. And it's not just... Yeah, sure, you can take individual examples where, oh, he hits a forehand less than she hits a forehand. But overall, on the total, you're not going to get four women into the last 16 of an all-genders... Australian Open look I tell you what George we will over when we have a fallow period off Australian <laughs> Open we'll get a sports scientist on or someone who understands this, this better than you and I and I'll be very interested to see exactly what the differences are yeah. who would have thought at the age of 27 I'd be asking what the differences between men and women are but on a tennis court I just think tennis is the worst possible sport for it as well because it's it's
1: such a physical sport it is a physical sport but I think the racket acts as a kind of buffer between that. You know, there's a lot of physicality on each side of the court. But you look at players like I don't know, stylistically, I'm thinking like Radvanska, someone who was clever with a slice and stuff. There's there's such a tactical element to it and it's not like football or rugby where yeah. you've got someone barging into you the whole time where you can actually use your muscles and strengths to barge someone. off. I just it's my wholehearted belief and I'm not saying let's rip up the ATP and WCA tour
0: well. but
1: but I'm just saying if you Allowed women to enter the men's event. You wouldn't see a a female champion in the men's game for 20, 30 years. But I promise you, if you gave them that opening, that door, I think we'd be all quite surprised how future women would get on. Okay, I would be surprised. (laughs) just a, a little run around some of the Brits so Harriet
0: Dart good start for Red her start, this yeah. year beating Petkovic uh, unfortunately then getting absolutely battered by Sevastova. but if that happened she also uh, got to the round of 32 in Brisbane as well so she's obviously had a decent start to the year quite promising really i think we all thought she is what, maybe not the best of the group but she's certainly one of the best got the best chance maybe of that group of british young girls yeah.
1: well i mean it's it's really funny because she's Certainly, on uh, among those who are uh, well intertwined in British tennis, they they've never really said Darts the one who's going to break through. You know, you hear the mm. names like Katie Swan. Uh, we've heard a lot more about Bolter recently. Yeah, but Darts, a player who just seems to be chipping away and picking up results. And I think there are a lot of flaws in her game. I don't think her serves great, but I think she's got a great backhand. And what she's shown in a lot of these results is she's fighting back. He's got a good mentality. And if you've got a good mentality in this sport, you can go far and you just have to look at Joe Conter. She wasn't the one who was rated the best of this group. You know, you've got Robson and Watson who were thought, right, these are our top 50, top 30 players. And Conta's the one who's gone all the way to world number four. So, yeah. you know what do we know basically but I think darts <laughs> we well, move all along <laughs> I couldn't agree more George what do we know
0: uh, also a decent result for Cam Norrie and uh, Katie
1: Bolter yeah they did Perf. very well I, I, I'll I, be perfectly honest I saw that lineup turning up and I thought they're not going to win a single match there mm. and they've won two of three yeah and they beat, and they beat, Serena, they beat Serena Williams and, T-Fo. and Francis Tifo, which is obviously a, in three three shortened sets but from a set but down still, so yeah, that's you give that a lot of great credit
0: and uh, decent for Cam big year for Cam Norrie we hope <laughs> Also, want to mention a little story. You came in here and said Bianca Andreescu, and I was like, "Oh yes, of course." What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited. She, uh, young Canadian, 18 years old. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know all about her, but first time for just, everything. I was just um, pretty excited by her results. She beat Caroline Wozniacki and Venus Williams back to back, having come through qualifying. Mm. Um, she'll rise to about world number 114 at this stage. If she goes any further, that will be even higher. Um, so that's just another name. Another, Funnily enough, she's moved two places above Marta Kostiuk, who you might remember was the 15-year-old at the Australian Open last year, who sure. kind of wowed the world. So it's quite funny, they've just moved so close to each other in the rankings. She's a couple of years older than Kostiuk, but still, uh, I was quite excited to see another face flying through.
0: Yep, yeah, Canada's Bianca Andreescu watch this space. If you want to feel old as well, she was born June 16th, the year 2000.
1: Wow. But yeah. that'll be fun for them if they get a very strong female player as well, with Shapovalov, Felix, Ogre, Eliasim. Mm, yeah. They've got Ryan a lot itch. coming on. You keep Ryan forgetting itch. Ryan. Itch. Well, I'm just saying this new generation to dominate for 20 years. Oh, yeah, of course, than... because
0: Ryan itch is just past it, isn't he? It's wow. basi- basically He's over not going to the be hill. there in
1: 20 years' time, whereas <laughs> the others might. Well, quite
0: possibly not. <laughs> uh, let's move on, because you want to do some predictions.
1: Yes, I do. I think it's fun to predict, because then we can laugh at how wrong we were when we sit here this time next year.
0: Yeah, it's massively problematic for me doing predictions because people just hold them over me, <laughs> like I'm some sort. Of, like I don't pretend to be some sort of Nostradamus. So I do predictions because people like them and they're fun. Are they going to all be wrong? I apologise in advance. Mm. Uh, George, you've had the advantage of having quite a long time to think about this, right? I, I am slightly on the hoof. Yes, uh, but I'm
1: not going to make you give your top tens because that would be harsh. I top think. ten? Yeah, yeah, that's what I did in my prediction piece. Oh, did you have to I name did top tens, men and women? I, I, oh, I can read you those when we do world number ones but I think that would be too hard that's right you can go
0: to metro.co.uk if you want to see George's (laughs) predictions for 2019
1: in tennis should we do do slam winners first well let's start with the Australian Open because I'm sure we'll we'll
0: come over to it but um, I can't look beyond Novak Djokovic for the men's because he's been absolutely imperious for the last eight months and who who on earth is even going to get
1: near him yeah only, only Federer is the player I view as having a chance of beating him really um and that, and I didn't think Federer two months ago, but I've just been quite impressed with how he looks to start this year. He looks fresh. Um, how the often does that happen as
0: well that he comes back and just just looks in better nick than everyone else?
1: Yeah, he looks very, very good. Um, I know it's only the Hotman Cup and it's quite a relaxed atmosphere, fast courts that suit him. Um, but I've been really impressed with him. This Are we going to
0: see anything from Zverev?
1: <laughs> no. Okay. I very don't know. good.
0: I don't know. No, you don't know. You never know. I I don't know.
1: And the women's singles at the Aussie Open? I think Serena. I think Serena. I think the. it's all just coming together in terms of, you know, equaling Margaret Court's record in Australia, where Margaret Court's obviously from. And at the Grand Slam where she last won when she was pregnant. I just think there's too much narrative for her not to win. So I think I'm going for the narrative. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> narrative basically going line. just
0: because it's, e- it's easier than anything else happening. It's just, it's it just, just feels like it's all
1: coming together, right? All
0: right. Um, I would quite like to see what Naomi Osaka, who we haven't talked about nearly enough, mm. actually, over the last four months. I'd be quite interested to see what she can achieve Is... in Australia. It, it's not a poorly suited tournament
1: to her by no. any stretch of the imagination. She started the year quite well, actually. Um... And,
0: well, yeah, she's, she couldn't be in, in much better form, really. I think she's she's got a massive chance here to remind everyone that, actually... She won the U.S. Open yeah. last year. She got to fourth round of the Aussie last year, didn't she? So. so that's a career best Grand Slam for a career best Australian Open yeah, <laughs> result exactly. for her. I, I don't think it's impossible without having seen the draw. But um,
1: yeah. different I... amounts of pressure now, though, is my only worry for Osaka. In what, what just just in the sense that she's won something? a Grand Slam? You know, she's not this dark horse now. No one would have really picked her to win the U.S. Open. Um, Mm. it's just a different type of pressure Maybe, which is always she... difficult to see but I think she's a great player mm. she's got a great head on her shoulders
0: she was the fourth round last year and got battered by Simone Halle so you know which it happens it's, it's also
1: awesome. worth saying that I think well we'll come on to this for the world number ones but I think Halep and Wozniacki who were the finalists last year I think this is going to be a bad tournament for both of them but I'll we can, right. we can come on to that. French
0: Open, obviously Rafa Nadal's going to win it. No one's going to argue with that. Uh, what yeah, about Nadal-Novak In- final. <laughs> right, with okay. With
1: Rafa denying Novak all four titles at once. Okay. That's lovely. the narrative.
0: Right, okay. <laughs> just love a narrative. I love a
1: narrative. I might have to ban it's you good. from that
0: word. And the women's singles at the French Open?
1: Gone for Halep, just because she's been the most consistent player on the clay the last few years. But, as I'll come on to again, I think the loss of Darren Cahill for her... Means she's up in the air a bit at the minute, um, mm. but I I feel like she might have a bad Australian Open, get a new coach sorted, and then be back in good nick for the French. You? I'd
0: quite like to see Sloane go one further than last year. Yeah, she like, was she's very a, good. I was surprised like, how well she she's did on developed clay last her, year. If you well, if you look at her <laughs> gradient, you know I like looking at gradients of players. You look at what she's done on clay. She's she's on a real upwards curve. I'd be really interested to see what she can achieve this yep. year with that little bit of extra, you know, just a bit of extra time and a bit of extra experience. I, and belief now. Yeah, well, yeah. She she shouldn't be short of that. Mm. Uh, I think that'll be uh, really important for her as well. And moving on to Wimbledon, obviously Andy Murray's going to win that and a fairy tale story <laughs> for the narrative
1: jewel. For the na- that uh, that is the that's the only narrative I'm not going with today. Mm. I think. Um, Who are you going with? I'm for going with Novak. I think. Uh, God, that's just, exciting. All right. I just, I just think he's going to absolutely dominate this year. I, I hope, I hope in some ways I'm wrong because it would be lovely to see, you know, Zverev turn up and win it, or Murray come back and win it, or even Federer sign off with a final Wimbledon win. Mm. But I just think, looking at the patterns of everyone who looks in best shape, Novak's the one to pick, really.
0: Yeah, bedding in period has finally ended for me, and I think this will be Alexander Zverev's year. Even Lendl will have had just long enough to work his magic. I think, I really do think that will be the time Zverev breaks through. He did all right at Wimbledon last year. I mean, look, he had oh, two years ago. He did all right at Wimbledon. He went out in the second round last yeah, year. he was very
1: there. ill last year against Gulbis. Oh like yeah, six yeah. love in the fifth. I mean, that's just unfortunate,
0: isn't it? You sort of think you, you almost don't even count that. But it was, what, the year before when he got to the fourth round. Ryanets, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think he. this might be his Yeah, He's got the endurance for it. I think Wimbledon, this is probably going to be a wetter summer. It won't be like last year. can't mm. possibly be. And I think that's going to make most matches longer. Court's a bit different. I think this might be fair as year, I really do.
1: There we go. Um, we'll come back to that at
0: Wimbledon. Uh, the women, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I basically just love the way Garbine Muguruza plays tennis. And I think that grass court tennis must suit her but equally she could bomb out in the second round
1: but th- th- it's women's tennis that's the problem it's so unpredictable yeah i mean i i went for muguru for exactly that reason i just i can't see her not bouncing back from such a bad year she's the sort of player who can be absolutely terrible for 10 months and then just turn up and thump everyone off the court and i think of any of the women's players right now muguru is the one who if she gets into full swing at wimbledon can beat anyone mm. on any day so i i've just gone for her but it's very difficult to say what's going to be happening six months down the line. Yeah. It's a big well, caveat there. Let's
0: go even further down the line yep. and look at the US Open. Uh, I think you're going to say Djokovic again. I am. Uh, but it's a reasonably reliable shout. I don't know, maybe Kevin Anderson will still be a really
1: good nick. Uh, maybe... How how much fun would it be to see big Kevin Anderson win a Grand Slam? It wouldn't be fun to watch, but it would be fun <laughs> for it to happen. It would I wouldn't be, be happy
0: to have to sit through lots of it, but I would be very happy to sit in the press conference and go, Oh, you've done it, Kevin! I'm so happy. <laughs> sorry, the Kevin Anderson boner is really big on this show, but that's just I'm sorry. It's just what happens. It's just what happens. What about the women's?
1: Gone for Kerber. I think Kerber will have another good year. I think right. she she will handle the pressure of. I think she'll become world number one shortly, mm. and I think she'll handle the pressure of doing that again. Uh, a lot. Well, not again. Doing handle the pressure this time rather than last time. Yeah. Um. She seems more mature. I think she'll be there. A, there or thereabouts in all the Grand Slams apart from the French and I just think she'll get over the line at the US
0: okay uh, I mean it's so far in the future that I might as well just take an absolute flyer at it I, I mean I don't know Sabalenka Karolina Pliskova Karolina Pliskova I, you never know I like it I mean she's been there or thereabouts you gone for it you, you, honest, has... I, you know what if she wins it I'm I i, I going to put some money on it now Yeah, she's it. probably about 65 to 1 And I'm going to look like an absolute genius for the first and the last time. Um, Very quickly, who are your year-end number ones, George? Well,
1: you'll be surprised to hear the man who's winning three Grand Slams for me is going to be
0: Djokovic. You're backed into a corner there. And and the women's world number one? Kerber. Uh, Interesting. But is she actually going to be consistent for once?
1: I think she's going to... Well, she was the most consistent at the Slams last year. And I think she'll do that again. I'm, I'm worried for Halep and Wozniacki. In w- why? Aki with the kind of I can't actually say the first word the RH arthritis, uh, rheumatoid rheumatoid, there you go, Can not yeah. remember it um, I think she'll drop out the top 10 this year mm. and I think Halep without Darren Cahill will lose a lot of points in Australia, she might fix it by the French but I think that might just open the door for Kerber to storm in and be world number one
0: Okay, I'll yeah. take your word for it. Uh, I haven't actually really got a clue. Uh, I re-
1: <laughs> I really, it, it could be about 15 of it them. It really
0: could be anyone anywhere near the top of the game. I don't know. I mean, you could take it like, again, maybe Ostapenko is going to have a resurgence. Could happen. She gets herself reasonably could happen, fit. But... I think she's got a little bit more consistency to her game now. And she's still got all the weapons. I'm not saying she's going to end the year world number one, which was the question. I think that would be very
1: bold. That would be extremely bold.
0: But I love a bold prediction. Uh, Yeah. No, you don't. You're famous. Oh, I love hearing yours. (laughs) (laughs) you like other people's bold predictions. I see. Uh, Yeah, I really haven't even got one. I don't know. Sloane Stephens, like I said, I think she's going to have a big French. She's a good uh, hard court player. The kind of person who might get there. But it could be anyone, as you say, of about 20 people. Uh, And the very final prediction that we've asked for is... Murray's end of year (laughs)
1: ranking. I've got a number in my head. What have you gone for? Well, I mean, now you have to bear in mind, I gave my number before him coming back. Full stop. So I went for thirty, and I thought I was being very conservative there. I think realistically now I would be knocking another twenty or thirty off that. Yes, I was thinking eighty-eight. Yeah, I'll stick with thirty. I'll be be happy if he
0: hangs around inside the top hundred because he's only going to play about eight tournaments. Yeah, how how much tennis? Sadly. How much proper tennis we're going to see Andy Murray play this year. I don't know. Uh, well, I hope you enjoyed all our shots in the dark. And in about six months, we're going to look like
1: real idiots. When so, when yeah. Sloane Stephens
0: be... has just disappeared off the face of the planet.
1: <laughs> I'll be burying my head firmly in the sand when Djokovic sure. is injured and misses the whole year.
0: So we'll be back before the Australian Open. In between now and then please head over to itunes give us a rating give us a a subscription of course leave us a review only nice ones please and follow us on twitter love tennis pod we'll see you soon sports social podcast network